what is a hundred? What is a hundred? Some kind of Krieger's waffle or something. I don't even know what they're called in German. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. Today we celebrate another Texan Medal of Honor winner whose story of valor sounds like something out of a comic book. Take that, Mr. Hitler! Pow! Right in the jaw! But in truth, this reality is much, much more interesting for Master Sergeant Jose Mendoza Lopez. But first, what's your favorite marginally Texas-themed ice cream flavor? I'd say I'll be boring. I'll be the boring one and say that it's uh, mine is Bluebell's homemade uh, vanilla flavor. Um, it can't get much more Texan than Bluebell, but uh, the flavor itself, some would find boring. I find it delicious. Mm. Uh, close second uh, for a little variety is their strawberries and homemade vanilla. Mm. Well, look, I think uh, it's not. They're not Texan, but Ben and Jerry's had a flavor a few years ago called Willie Nelson's Country Peach Cobbler. Peach Cobbler, ice cream, Willie Nelson, it's good enough for me. Well, I'm not going to go with ice cream that was made by Yankees. Um, I'm going to go with ice cream made in Texas, (laughs) genuinely in Texas, in Fort Worth. Gypsy Scoops is a small ice cream store, and they have an ice cream truck. And I I ate their ice cream for the first time a few weeks ago at an ice cream uh, festival in McKinney, and they had the chocolate peanut butter ice cream that was just amazing. Fantastic. All right. I, I'm going to accept these, but I want you to go back and think about them this week because the idea was Texas-themed, so it should be something like Rootin' Tootin' Raspberry or Cowboy it Cruncheroo. Have, it is inherently <laughs> Texas-themed if it is made by a Texas company in Texas. <laughs> By its nature, it is Texan. God, I hate hipsters like you, Sean. (laughs) Jose Mendoza Lopez was born on July 10th, 1910, the son of Cayetano and Candida Mendoza de Lopez. While military records officially list his birthplace as Mission, Texas, he's actually from Santiago Atlan, Mexico. In 1935, he bought a false birth certificate so that he could join the United States Merchant Marines. After his mother's death from tuberculosis when he was eight, and with no way to support himself, the boy headed to the Rio Grande Valley. Texas, y'all. Lopez attended some school there and worked in the cotton fields around Brownsville to support himself while living with relatives and friends. In his teens, Lopez hitched a ride on a freight train to Atlanta, Georgia. A local promoter who was impressed with Lopez's athleticism arranged some amateur boxing matches for him. He then fought as a professional... From 1927 to 1934, he was billed as Kid Mendoza. He had 52 wins, and he had three losses in the lightweight division. Several years later, he said that the highlight of his boxing career was when he shook hands with Babe Ruth in Atlanta before a match. In 1935, Lopez found employment in the Merchant Marine working on ships and traveling the world. After working in Hawaii, he was on a ship headed to the United States when he heard of the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. As Lopez arrived in California, authorities wanted to arrest him until he convinced them that he was in fact Mexican and not Japanese. Shortly thereafter, Lopez returned to Brownsville and married his girlfriend, Emilia Herrera. 
They remained married for 62 years until her death in 2004. Together, they had four daughters and a stepson from his wife's previous marriage. Now, in 1942, with his wife's support, he enlisted in the United States Army and spent a brief time at Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio before going to Camp Roberts in California for basic training. He was assigned to Company K of the 23rd Infantry Regiment, 2nd Infantry Division. Lopez's units trained in Northern Ireland where it prepared for the Allied invasion of Nazi-occupied Europe on D-Day. Lopez was short and stocky. He was only five feet tall, and he only weighed 130 pounds, but he excelled in combat. He was assigned to a weapons platoon, which means he helped fire either a bazooka or a machine gun, and he set foot on Normandy on June 7, 1944. This is D-Day plus one. Now, he was actually wounded that day, but he refused treatment and evacuation, and he was determined to remain with his unit. He participated in the action that cleared the hedgerows near St. Lowe in the fight to take the city of Brest, and he was involved in steady combat in France and in Belgium for the rest of 1944. Now, for his actions and his efforts during the Normandy campaign, Lopez was awarded a Purple Heart and a Bronze Star. Which, in and of itself, is impressive. Right. On December 17, 1944, Sergeant Lopez witnessed the Germans launching their offensive in the Ardennes against Allied forces at the Battle of the Bulge. Situated with Company K near Krinkelt, Belgium, Lopez took some action on his own. Holding a heavy machine gun, Lopez found cover in a shallow hole and positioned himself. Taking aim at the soldiers surrounding a German Tiger tank, he immediately fired and killed 10 of the enemy. Despite enemy fire from the tank, Lopez held firm and killed 25 additional Germans who were attempting to outflank him. He avoided blasts from the tank until one landed close enough for the concussion to lift him off the ground and throw him backward. Somehow, Lopez recovered quickly and avoided being outflanked by the Germans yet again. He reset his weapon and started firing to protect Company K. Then, using the dense forest for cover and constantly moving, Lopez continued to fire and kill Germans. Now eventually he met up with a few of his fellow soldiers to establish another defense point where they continued to fire until his ammunition was exhausted. In a single operation that started at 11.30 a.m. and lasted until 6 p.m., Lopez killed more than 100 enemy soldiers, which is more than any other American serviceman had done during World War II. You know, in a single afternoon. His efforts had stabilized the flank and gave time for his company to regroup which eventually caused the Germans to bypass Krinkelt. At a ceremony in Nuremberg, Germany, on June 18, 1945, after the war was over, Major General James A. Van Fleet presented Lopez with the Medal of Honor. The citation read, quote, for his gallantry and intrepidity on seemingly suicidal missions in which he killed at least 100 of the enemy were almost solely responsible for allowing Company K to avoid being enveloped to withdraw successfully, and to give other forces coming in to support time to build a line which repelled the enemy drive. Lopez received an enthusiastic reception when his ship landed back in the U.S. in New York City, and he was greeted personally by New York Mayor Fiorella LaGuardia. With the end of the war in Europe, Lopez returned to Texas and worked for the Veterans Administration in San Antonio. Shortly after the war, upon a visit to Mexico City, he was honored with La Con de Corrección de Merito Militar, Mexico's highest award for military valor, by Mexican President Manuel Avila Camacho. Lopez also took great pride when Mexican President Miguel Aleman Valdez invited him to Mexico City and 
honored him with the Order of the Aztec Eagle in 1948. In 1949, he re-enlisted in the United States Army and was assigned to the 2nd Infantry Division once again. With the outbreak of the Korean War in 1950, Sergeant Lopez returned to combat until a ranking officer, who learned he was a Medal of Honor recipient, ordered him directly to the rear. For several months, he retrieved bodies and registered them for burial until being reassigned to Japan. Lopez remained in the military, serving as a recruiter and working in a motor pool, where he was responsible for maintenance of operations and crew. In 1973, he finally retired at the rank of Master Sergeant. In retirement, Lopez remained active in the community and spent time with his wife, children, and grandchildren in San Antonio. The Mexican-born Lopez also took the opportunity to talk with young people about his love for America. He found civilian employment, sometimes holding two jobs at a time. To stay in shape, he jogged until he was 88. In January 2004, Lopez attended the inauguration of President George W. Bush. He had earlier attended ones for John F. Kennedy, Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, and George H.W. Bush. In his final years, Lopez was hindered by frail health. Before his wife's death in 2004, he devoted much effort to taking care of her. On May 16, 2005, Lopez died of cancer at the home of his daughter in San Antonio. At the time, he had been the oldest surviving Hispanic Medal of Honor recipient in the United States. Lopez, a Catholic, was buried with full military honors at Fort Sam Houston National Cemetery in San Antonio. Jose M. Lopez Middle School in San Antonio and Jose M. Lopez Park in Mission are named in his honor. A statue commemorates Lopez in Veterans Park in Brownsville. What a neat guy. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, first reading uh, the description of his um, Medal of Honor winning action in, uh, in France, um, the first thing that came to my mind, and maybe this his story was an inspiration for it, was the, the scene in the movie Fury uh, that starred Brad Pitt, where uh, there's a, a tank that's at the, the only um, resistance at a particular intersection on an important road, and the Germans are marching right towards it. And there's this whole scene where just like a couple of guys take out like hundreds of German soldiers. And I, I, trying to imagine that in real life is very difficult for me. Well, I, you know, it's funny as I actually originally had looked at this and I was just like, well, this reads like something right out of Nick Fury and his howling commandos, you know, and this guy would have fit right into uh, uh, the original, you know, Captain America movie of (laughs) here comes, uh, hang on, what was his Sergeant Lopez and his howling commandos. No, it'd be Kidman. Here comes Kid Mendoza. (laughs) He's a former boxer and merchant Marine who joined up the army and now he's fighting the Germans. Take that, Mr. Hitler. Yeah, it's like, uh, it, but I, I stumbled across a story just because, um, and it's really amazing to me, the, the story of some of these Medal of Honor winners. But what I thought was really cool is, is pretty cool, this guy, you think he's Texan, but nope, he's from Mexico. But he, uh, he wanted to be here, wanted to be a part of Texas, and I guess America too. Um, and I think that's just, it's a nice story. Well, I think it's neat. Um, and, you know, we uh, I just want to say that this was a person who came to Texas and America to get a better life um, from Mexico. And he served his country, served his adopted country, was very proud to be a Texan and an American uh, and uh, attained, attained the highest honor. But he was not born in America. He was born in Mexico, but he was very proud to be a Texan. And so that's uh, something to think about. 
in today's times. Yep. And I would uh, wager that most of the guys that he fought next to couldn't have cared less to where he was born. No. Other than the fact that he was first look glanced at him, probably like, who's this little guy? <laughs> and then he picks up a gun. Well, he's a not- lot of people. I would say a lot of people probably underestimated Jose Altuve too, yeah. and now he's uh, he's a rock, he's a star well, in I, the American uh, League. Yeah. Well, let's go back to to the other Jose. I just think he's like like I said, he just sounds like somebody out of Central Casting. Of okay, we're gonna need an Irishman, we're gonna need a little short Mexican guy, we're gonna need a sparky Italian, uh, we're gonna need Telly Savalas. And, and we're gonna and let's get Jim Brown in the mix, and we're gonna have a, yeah. put together an ultimate raid. I guess yeah. an impenetrable German fortress. So oh, Trini Lopez. Trini Lopez. And- <laughs> Trini Lopez. Here's a guitar. Play us a song. No, I, I look, you know, we love those old, I love those old military movies, and there's this romance around World War II. And I just, like I said, I like the fact that he didn't, you know, he'd been wounded in combat. He was certainly a brave soldier. But then this was just like an inspired piece of soldiering. You know, he just rose to the occasion and got very, very lucky that he wasn't killed yeah. for those seven hours when he when he single handedly engaged, you know, uh, an entire, you know, uh, it makes it sound like almost a regiment. I mean, like, what is a hundred, what is a hundred, some kind of Krieger's waffle or something? I don't even know what they're called that, in that's German. A company. That's a company. That's a company of German uh, of troops. So it was a, he killed an entire company. Um you know, the Battle of the Bulge was a was a surprise attack, the last throw by the Nazi uh, uh, military to try to push the uh, Americans back. And they hit a zone, an area of uh, the front line that was sparsely populated. And most of the troops were, you know, either in what they called uh, rotation where they were uh, they'd been in combat and then they were moved to a, a quiet part of the line. Um, and it was Christmas time. This is a week before Christmas. And uh, it just snowed. It was very cold. And uh, most of the troops, uh, American troops, didn't even have uh, coats or anything. So uh, they were kind of out there on their own uh, when the Germans attacked. And it was a it was a, a whirlwind. It was a blitzkrieg, really. And it was a whirlwind of activity. And a lot of units got overrun. So, so Mendoza's actions, uh, or sorry, Lopez's actions were um, very critical to to helping stem that tide of the of the Germans. And, and let me tell you, the Tiger tank was the biggest German tank of the war. It was the biggest tank made by anybody in the war, the most powerful tank. The only way to knock out a Tiger is to shoot it from behind with another tank. Uh, yep. Generally speaking, I, I another from, Tiger. <laughs> I learned that from Saving Private Ryan. Exactly. Yeah, you got to you got to hit it from the from the from the behind. So he took on a Tiger tank with a machine gun. Yep. Which is pretty amazing. Yeah, this guy was, he was something else. So, um, it, you know, there are just these people you read about. It's like, he killed a hundred Germans in combat. And then he signed up again and they were like, you know, and then he, he just, he did his duty. But then it was like, and he jogged every day until he was 88 years old. And it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah. how much more can you shame me, Jose yeah. Lopez? <laughs> well, well, the fun thing is, the other fun thing is that the, the other most famous uh, Medal of Honor winner from Texas uh, from World War II was, of course, who we talked about before, Audie Murphy. Audie Murphy was around, was just a shade over five feet tall and was a scrawny guy soaking wet. Uh, so yet both of them uh, should enact these remarkable feats of arms. So it proves that you don't got to be, you don't have to be built like Sam Houston or Jim Bowie 
to do amazing things, you know, to be these giant strapping, humongous, muscular guys. You can, you can be, you know, from modest backgrounds and, and modest means. And, and, uh, it's just a sense of character about you that the, that the character comes out and shows the bravery and heroism that's inherently uh, in these, these, these individuals. Yeah. doesn't hurt to be six foot two though. Um, it doesn't hurt, but well, you know, it's like every good fisherman to tell you, uh, it's not the size of the fish in the fight. It's the size (laughs) of the fight in the fish. (laughs) Come and take it. Salutes yet another medal of honor winner from Texas. Sergeant Lopez. And he may not be from Texas. But Texas wants him anyway. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. No, he and, and clearly made his home here, built his family and his life here. And when he retired, where did he come back to? Texas. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you. So like and share us on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast. Or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Shaw with two N's. And I'm Scotticus. If you like this show, make sure you tell your friends and go leave a review on iTunes because that helps us to find new listeners just like you. And if you'd like to support the show financially, why not head over to patreon.com slash texaspodcast where you, too, can become a come-and-take-a-Texas-ranger. Hey, do you need a t-shirt? Well, then get yourself over to texaspodcast.fm where you can get the limited edition sesquicentennial shirt that we put out in celebration of getting 150-plus episodes on the air of rich and exciting Texas history. So get over there and get one before they're gone, and a portion of every shirt is going to go to help victims of the Brazos flooding this spring. We hope you'll join us next time, and remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway. Thank you.